Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And welcome to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And this episode we watch Paprika and Inception. Yes, so this is our second episode that is a suggestion by a listener. Out of how many? Uh, (laughs) Out of how many episodes we've done or out of how many episodes we're going to do? Both. First one, then the other. This is episode 26. Um, and it's uh, two, so two out of 26 of our have been listener suggestions. I don't know how many episodes we're going to do total. Um, hopefully several hundred. That'd be good. Yeah. (laughs) But if anyone wants to suggest movies that we might not have thought of, you know, as you can see here, we are, we are taking suggestions. Yeah. So, uh, Paprika is a animated Japanese film from 2006, and Christopher Nolan's um, sort of rise to stardom was really cemented with uh, Inception 2010. Hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people who had seen Paprika beforehand know there's a lot of very close similarities yeah. to the point where it's been literally announced that Nolan took inspiration from Paprika. Yeah, he's he's admitted to it. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, there... It's not a remake by any manner of means. Yeah, and it's not... There's certain themes and sequences that are in both, but it's not a direct rip-off. Yeah, I think he definitely um, paid homage to it. Yeah. I think... I don't know, did he get... I don't think he got the whole idea from Paprika, um, because he allegedly based the concept for Inception on a play that pre- that already existed. So I think he had the idea, but then he saw maybe how it was... Do- or maybe Paprika was something he watched for inspiration for it. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a couple of little, little kind of direct nods to Paprika, I think, in Inception. Yeah. So both of these movies um, have a plot device that helps forward without it there is no there is no story yeah um in paprika it is called the dc mini which is a device that psychotherapists use to go into the client's um uh, dreams to help them work through trauma yeah which seems like a pretty legitimate use for it yeah in inception uh it was designed for military use yeah for military training for military training so that soldiers could um have combat situations and feel the actual pain but not risk actual death yeah um which is interesting because that's not at all how we see it being used in the movie (laughs) yeah Inception's one of those movies that you either watched it in the theatres and was like, this is fantastic, I can't watch it, wait to watch it again, or there's the other smaller percentage that went, too complicated, <laughs> stupid movie. I, I very distinctly remember seeing it in cinema because I was already a Nolan fan. Um, you know, I liked Memento and I liked the Dark Knight, tri- well, I don't think it was a trilogy yet at that point, 2010. Um, I think we'd only had Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Uh, oh, Rises, I think, was 2012. Is that oh, right? I don't remember. Um, but more importantly, one of my favourite films of all time, at the time of this and at the time of recording now, is uh, The Prestige. Yes. Um, which I thought was a, like a perfect film. and I, So I was waiting for Inception to come out for a very long time. 
Um, and I saw it in cinema with my family. And my family remember because um, part of what makes me and you compatible as, as, as movie buddies is that we both like to sit in the middle of the middle of the cinema. Yes. And my family are back row people in the cinema. Um, and I went to see Inception with my family and I wanted to sit in the middle of the middle. And we were in a U.S. theater, so there was no assigned seating. So we sat in the back. And then my dad was eating popcorn very loudly and I just got up and I walked off and I found myself a seat in the middle and watched Inception by myself and abandoned my family. That's savage. Uh, and they will remember that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was really looking forward to it before it came out. So it was, yeah, I was, I was one of those people that, that just thought it was amazing, but I knew it was going to be before I went into it. Yeah, it was interesting because I think Inception had a lot of like um, ripples in the pond when it came to critics because there was a vast majority. Like I even remember seeing there was a kid critic who was writing, I would say writing, but I'm pretty sure he's ghostwritten for some big, maybe he was writing it himself, that's why he got the job, for some big... Um, uh, magazine or website at the time and it was like kid reviews or something so he was always reviewing it from the like fr at the same level as a standard paid this is my full-time job movie critic going to movies and then was just like what did you think of inception because he was getting interviewed at like um oscar season right and was just like i didn't understand it <laughs> and it was just like and that's why you're a child and shouldn't be reviewing movies that are like <laughs> Because your understanding as a child is never going to be as broad, mm. and you not you don't have the time, like you know I'd seen Paprika beforehand. Um, this was in the same or well, not the same era, but the same run, is when I DVDs were more, um, available. Um, obviously I couldn't find an actual copy of it, so I remember renting this. Mm. But it was the same as renting. I've seen Perfect Blue, I've seen, uh, what was that, was 95, I think, which was the same year as Ghost in the Shell, which was also 95, um, so it was around those times that I was watching these, these types of movies, mm. um, so it obviously, like, for those who don't know, and I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, my first introduction to Japanese film was um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And because of that and how much of an influence and how awesome the visuals and the story and how it was aimed at children, but it wasn't that weird hand-holdy, model-coddly, everybody who lives happily ever after bullshit that I had had stuffed down my throat by Western media that it really opened my eyes to like the darker sense of you could still be a kid's movie but it's not like, you know, it's not like Lion King. It's not like uh, Bambi where the, the, the scary bit only happens at the beginning to make you like the character and be involved and, you know, be, be interested in, you know, the, the fate of the, the protagonist. And I think that was a big turning point for me watching Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind that sort of really opened my eyes to there's a whole entire world out there that's not just like you know, farm animals singing in a circle, kumbaya, you know, to a happy ever after, walk off into the sunset. What movie does that happen in? All of them. 
It's all blended together. I don't remember seeing any movies where, where farm animals are all happy. Like, even Charlotte's Web is, like, a dark story, but mm. it has, like, a happy, happy ending, and it's like, that's dumb. Like, mm. It's not teaching children the, re- the harsh realities of the world where I think Japanese theatre, Japanese film, because of um, the, how much they were influenced by World War Two and everything that came out after that, you know, we wouldn't have kaiju movies without, you know, um, some events that happened mm. where uh, you tend to you tend to start being afraid of something basically godlike apop- apocalyptic when it comes to um, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. And, you know, that that spawned the kaiju thing, which is now, because of Guillermo del Toro, like, everywhere in Western audiences. But I think King Kong was about the same. King Kong was, the, like, the Western version of... Mm. To the point where, you know, we recently mean, had a movie where they fight each other. Yeah, but you... There is, there's, there's definitely... It's not just Guillermo del Toro. There's definitely been kaiju seeping its way Sorry, into... Sorry, what, what I mean is is now mainstream. Right, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. You wouldn't have had, like... Well... There was, was it 2007? No, 97? The Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely 90s. Um, yeah. I don't remember the exact year. Yeah. Anyway, the, the moral of the story is all children should be forced to watch Grave of the Fireflies at a young age. Is that right? No. <laughs> I don't even like watching that movie now. <laughs> but you want children to be introduced to the harsh realities of life through animated film. And so yeah, but maybe not, that, maybe not that one. You sit them down and you say, we're going to have a marathon, we're going to watch Grave of the Fireflies, we're going to watch Watership Down, you know, get get a, into their system, you'll... We'll watch um, Watership Down and Tadeo Māori because it's even more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to the movies, I guess. Uh, yeah, there, there's yeah, you can really tell what we did, which was watch them back to back, Paprika first, and then Inception. That you can see there is so much of Inception that is, I wouldn't say cherry picked, but there are like massive homages. Yeah, that, that's, that's... if you didn't know that it was an homage, you'd be like, this motherfucker stealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's very much. Um, cause I don't think anything is stolen from it. No. Uh, but I think definitely there's parts of the cinematography or parts of, you know, set decorations of that is, um, very much, you know, it's purposefully similar to Paprika. Yeah. I think it's, you know. The elevators being a strong, strong yeah. point in both the movies. I hadn't even... Because I haven't seen Inception in a long time. I'd never seen Paprika before. I've seen Inception so many times, I didn't even need to take notes. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I barely took notes on in Inception, but um, I hadn't seen it in so long that I'd forgotten. Or, just, or I think maybe I just had never really connected with how important elevators are in it. Yeah. Um, like, not just for the kick at one point, but also, um, you know, Ariadne uses elevators to go through Cobb's memories, yeah. which is exactly what Paprika does, does with, yeah. um, uh, I forgot the name, Konakawa, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, the, cop. the, the, the detective. Um, yeah, so it's very interesting that they both use that same system, and maybe that, I don't know if that's an homage or not, but I'd say possibly, yeah. something that was inspired by it at least, to go, that's, that's a clever way of doing that, you know? I think the hallway sequence uh, for the detective's memories and dreams. So it says he's dreaming his own memory, 
Yeah. And Paprika, who's a sort of like, she's sort of mod, but not quite. It's this weird, like, because she's an alter ego of um, Ch- Chibia. Ch- Chiba, I think. Chiba, yeah. Um, who's the one of the lead developers for the DC Mini. Um, she's kind of the handler of the guy who invented it. Um, the, yeah, she's like the, the sort of like, she's in the dream sequences mm-hmm. and it's interesting because, um, obviously with Cobb, it's like this, this give and take where he's basically cat playing cat and mouse within the dreams. Yeah. So you're saying that she's like Maul. Yeah, Maul. I think, I thought that Ariadne was more like her. Because Ariadne is the one who has the awareness of this is a dream, these are your memories, these are the, the dream parts, and is leading Cobb through it. Because she's the only one the only one that he lets actually into his mind and to understand what's going on with him, because he's been keeping it from everyone. And she's the one that kind of breaks it down, and in the end she's, you know, the one that brings him around to reality, sort of. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I, I, I look at it as the sort of like the opposite way around because with Cobb and Maul, it's this weird um, sort of, yeah, cat and mouth, like I said. Mm. And at the same time, Paprika is sort of like this weird, well, not weird, but she's like a, a dream version mm. of her. Yeah. To the point where like that scary sequence, which we'll get into later, um, yes. she's like a protective layer. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's the, the sort of the opposite, but the same sort of premise of like a personality grafted on top of somebody else. Mm. Because it, it, for people who have seen Inception, um, we know the, circ- you, you'll know the circumstances of um, the relationship between Maul and Cobb and why Cobb can't go back to see his kids. Um, and in Pr- Paprika, it's sort of the opposite. She's has influence over the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, but as like a guiding hand versus uh, Maul who's a guided knife kind of <laughs> some of the times yeah very very much so um, I guess we haven't said it yet so I'll say it now there's gonna be spoilers if you haven't seen either of these movies and you want to watch them first um, well I guess you know we might try not to spoil too much but um, there will be spoilers yeah. spoilers ahead I mean there's already been we've been touching towards spoilers already I think I think if you just listen to the podcast at any point you, you know it's going to be spoilers yeah any yeah. episode's going to have spoilers on it every episode is a spoiler episode yeah um so we haven't really said what the actual I mean, we kind of did, but not really. But the but we we normally start off these by being like, here's the premise that they both share. Yeah, true. Which we haven't quite done, but the premise essentially that they that links the two is um, that someone uh, in I mean in Inception it's our protagonists, yeah. but irrelevant. Someone is using technology that is used to get into other people's dreams or share dreams. Someone is using it for criminal activity. Yeah. Um, so in Inception, our main characters are using it, you know, for criminal uses. Uh, they've been using it to steal information, and now they're going to use it to plant an idea in yeah. someone's head. So the concept of extraction is this business that started, obviously, when, the, when this product hit the black market, and it is using um, trained people to go into other people's memories for corporate um, corporate espionage to steal people's 
information. Yeah. And the idea of an inception is rather than planting and rather than taking an idea or a thought or a memory or some information out of somebody's head, it is the reverse of that. And the reason that, spoilers, Cobb knows it's capable is because he did it to his own wife. Yeah. Now he didn't mean to do what he did. I like. Yeah. You know, we're not. We don't need to go through the sequences. Can yeah. we talk about that the whole sequence? Um, because the end. Yeah, yeah, it okay. doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that relevant to everything else, but I just want to talk about like how it's still, you know, I mean, I've seen Inception a bunch of times. Like I said, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, it's there's still something very heartbreaking about that whole sequence where it's it's revealed to you. So this is like two and a bit hours into the movie, and you've been, you know, the whole time you've seen any time that Cobb is in a dream, he's haunted by visions of his ex-wife and she... Or his ex-wife, sorry, his dead wife. Um, and um, you finally get this reveal that the reason she killed herself was because when they were in limbo together, which is like the bottomless, bottomless level of dreaming, it's like when you die in a dream while your body is not ready to wake up, you go to this limbo and every... You know, you they were... I think they were gone in limbo for 50 years and it was 10 hours on surface yeah. or something similar to that. Um, to get out of it, he needed to convince her that she needed to kill herself in limbo to wake up in the real world. But what what they tell us about Inception, about planting an idea in someone's head, is that, you know, it becomes something that, you know, that's all they can focus on. It's yeah, like... The, like cancer. Yeah, it, it defines who they are. Yeah. So he plants this idea that the world they're in is not real and she can only escape by killing herself, thinking, you know, now we'll wake up and we'll be happy together. But when they wake up, the idea is still there and it still consumes her and she believes her world is not real and she can only escape by killing herself. And yeah. it's really heartbreaking. Um, it's also just, like, the ultimate gaslighting. Yeah. Like, he lit... Like, that's... <laughs> I think maybe when I had seen Inception first, I had not, never come across the term gaslighting before. But that's it. He literally convinces her that her world is not real. Yeah, reality is not real. <laughs> and the only way to escape is to kill yourself. Um, it's, it's But it's very, very sad. It's still very moving after all these years. Yeah, there, in both these movies, and you know, I hate for it to be um, something triggering for anybody who's experienced this within their family or close friends, but yeah. the overarching threat of suicide is massive in both these movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's an interesting way for storytelling, um, obviously because it is so real and it does hit people right on raw nerves yeah. because it is such a horrible and devastating act somebody can commit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do have problems out there, folks, and you're listening, get help. There is many, many places that can help you. Just Google it. I'm not going to, like, name 30,000 places that can assist, but, you know, if you're having having issues, and you know, do reach out to somebody, even anonymously, just to talk to them because, you know, it's not, it's not the solution that you're seeking. It's not the solution that seems like a, a, a fix-all because what people forget is no matter how in pain you are, um, it also the pain then travels to other people and it, and it gets larger by magnitudes that you don't understand. Yeah, I mean, even people that you might not think of. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, someone might think that they're not loved, which is rarely true anyway. Um, but they might think, you know, these are the only people who will be affected and they'll get over it or whatever the case may be. But, you know, you can massively impact someone's life that you hadn't even considered. Yeah. And if you're not feeling this way, but you know somebody who is, check up on them. Like, just give them a call, plan a lunch, do something for them to look forward to. Because I think that's the biggest... From somebody who did suffer um, depression when I was younger, um, like quite severe depression when I was younger, um, the easiest thing that got me out of that state was having something to look forward to. Mm. And I know it sounds real petty, but like... Game releases, movie releases, that, those kinds of things didn't make the future seem like an endless void of nothingness. Mm. Yeah, having and, some kind of, like, any any kind of pinpoint in the future. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, I need to survive long enough for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you reach out to the next thing. Yeah. And I think um, even, I don't know, I don't know if I express this to you a bit, but um, when we bought this house... I mm. sort of had this like weird empty feeling inside myself for a while. Because is that because you'd been looking forward because to it? I'd been looking forward <laughs> to it for so long and planning and and yeah. waiting and sacrificing and then we ended up buying and it was just like well, now what the fuck do I do now now what I did it yeah 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 <laughs> it's like I think what what's the next thing but then obviously Strider came along um you know yeah, the, yeah you've got your study and you've yeah, got, you know, yeah. stuff you want to do in the future yeah. yeah. And travel and, you know, it's not it's not all bleak, but that's one way that I was told early on when I did seek help um, that you you have to find something to look forward to. Mm. Um, sorry, we've gone on a random tangent here, but mm. I think it's very important for yeah. um, for the, the concepts of both yeah. these movies. Yeah, I think, I mean, this isn't the first time we've touched on suicide in an episode as well. I do, because I literally, did, you know, I'm mostly aware of it because... I do put a content warning yeah. on our in our show notes, um, and I know that I've had to write suicide multiple times. Um, I think it's just we've touched on it briefly, but even a, a brief mention could be enough to, to trigger someone. Yeah, because um, within Inception, one of the rules is uh, what they teach people who, because um, obviously there'd be a huge market that, that came along with this black market, because everybody who was in high corporate would have had to be told, like Fisher is... Um, one of my favourite is uh, uh, Kelly Murphy. <laughs> I thought you were going to totally forget his name. They're one of my favourite actors, that Irish guy. Um, you know the one? <laughs> no, I just Kelly had to look Murphy. At, yeah, I had to look at your face and I was just like, Irish, Irish, Kelly Murphy. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, he's been taught this, this self-defence technique that's yep. subconscious, which is very interesting. Yeah, because he immediately, when he when they tell him he's in a dream and they, like, you know, because that, that's part of their tactic is they tell him he's in a dream so that he thinks that his actual subconscious is people trying to get at him yeah. and he thinks that the people who are actually trying to get at him are, helping, yeah. are you know the subconscious helping and but he, he immediately points a gun to his head yeah and he's like i should kill myself right that's yeah. what they teach me it's like no 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 if you do that your, yeah your brain will end up like scrambled eggs yeah they've got you on this limbo to him yeah yeah, so it's so i think or yeah the idea is that ordinarily if it's just if you're just asleep and it happens um, in these dreams, not in real, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating this, but in these dreams, in Inception, if you're just regularly asleep and someone's trying to, you know, get information, killing yourself is a way to wake up from yeah. the dream. But if you are sedated 
it will put you in limbo, limbo where yeah. you will live so long in this endless void that um, by the time you finally wake up, your mind will be gone. So there's two more subjects I really want to cover um, before enveloping the entire episode with just Inception. Um, So the first item being um, Cobb's history and his relationship with his father-in-law. They were architects. Yeah. And that is so important to the story that people forget it, that they were actually architects and that's why they had this you know, why Cobb was put in there in the first place, because when you go into somebody else's dream, you have to build yep. something to contain them in. And then as he explains, you have to put a safe or a vault so they can put their secret information in there and then you just have to break into the vault. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until... Because like the first time you watch Thor Inception, you're like, oh, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a He's guy. a dream architect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like... <laughs> Because that's why he um, gets um, Elliot Page's character because that she's like the biggest, brightest student yes. for Michael Caine. Um, and that's why she's so good at it. And basically, in my opinion, not that you get a really good example, but you do sort of near the end of the movie, that she is better than Cobb at being an architect that can understand because he's just like... Because the first thing she does is go, well, what if I screw with physics and starts yeah. bending the city? And he's like, hey, hey, like, <laughs> calm, calm down. down there. <laughs> Never seen shit like this before. Um, but the other item that I want to talk about before we move on from just spending all that time with Inception is the totems. Mm. Now, sorry for everybody who has this theory that Cobb is actually asleep. And in a dream, when he goes back to his family at the end of the movie... Well, it should that factually he's not... I, I, do you want to know what the actual reason is that he's not? Yes. Um, no, I already know. Okay, what were you going to say? Um, Cobb's totem isn't the spinning top. No, that's... Yeah, first, that's true. That's not, that's not it. Yeah. Michael Caine's character never appears in a dream. True. Oh, that's because he's never been in the dream sequence. Yeah, because yeah. he's never been in the dream. He never... So, um, apparently Michael Caine asked Christopher Nolan, he said he was confused by the script, he asked Christopher Nolan, how do I know if it's a dream or not? And he said, if you're in the scene, it's not a dream. Right. And he's in that ending scene. So the... (laughs) Sorry, everyone, I just spoiled all your theories. Michael Caine has come out and said, if he's in the scene, it's not a dream. Well, without Googling it, figuring out your own answer, (laughs) mine's a bit more elegant. (laughs) Cobb's totem is his wedding ring. Yep. So he's in the real world, he's not wearing he it, but he's in the dream, he is. Yeah, that's also in the IMDb trivia. Wow. <laughs> okay, moving on to Paprika. Um, um, no, but I think, yeah, so what, what both these movies touch on a lot, um, which we've just touched on there with the kind of semi-ambiguous ending, is the distinction between dream and reality and losing sight of that. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like I said, with, with Mal, she no longer believe she believed she was still in a dream even after they'd woken up. Yeah. Um and you see that with Cobb that he you know, he uses a totem to test when he is awake to make sure he is awake. He does it multiple times throughout the film. Yeah. Um and even you have the the version of Maul that is his subconscious saying to him, you know, you don't know that that's you, you know, this could be reality, that could be the dream. You, you don't know and I know that you doubt it. Yeah. Um 
So very much, you know, he isn't sure when when he's in a dream, when he's not in a dream. And you but then you get that from other characters as well, that like when they bring him down into dream levels, they don't realise you know, the first time he's talking to Ariadne, they're sitting in a cafe and then he's like, you know, when you're in a dream you start off in the middle and he's like, How do we get here? And she suddenly she doesn't know yeah. and then everything starts to explode. So the visual effects for Inception are fantastic. Mm. And mostly practical apparently. Yeah. Which um is interesting. In comparison to Paprika Paprika like, is bonkers. Is, yeah, that's it's it's a mind fuck. It's a yeah for people who don't like dolls. Um, um, it would be horrifying. Yeah, so paprika is paprika is interesting because um, it obviously is a lot easier to play with this concept of dreams versus reality and the animation, boundaries yeah. when it's an animation. Yeah, because you know you have things looking normal and then you have like just weird shit happens and you're like, what is that? And then you've like weird shit happening and you're like, is this person hallucinating? Is this in the shared dream? Is this a dream coming to life? Like there's so much weird crossover between the dreams and reality and like people, um, cause that's the other thing is that people, they're being able to connect to, so in, in Inception, they have to all be like physically connected to each other to be yeah. in the same dream. In Paprika... Um, it's the other way around. It's the the chairman who was against the technology in the first place is now hijacking other people's yeah. dreams to gain their dream power. Yeah, so all, so uh, the, these machines are being used on different psychiatric patients yeah. because that's what they're legitimately used for in this universe. And this guy has found a way to like hack into the system in a way that like he, in his own house can connect all the dreams of anyone who happens to be connected to a machine. Yeah. Um, so suddenly everyone is joining this massive weird dream and there's sequences where you think that you're in reality and then and then suddenly the dream bursts into it and everyone is in it and you're like, has it has it like crossed over into the real world or is this person asleep and they didn't know it? Um, there's some beautifully terrifying sequences. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, if you have a, a fear of dolls, it is not the movie for you. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of creepy dolls. Um, also, clowns. If you're afraid of clowns, yeah. Paprika is. We're giving you your warnings now. If you're afraid of clowns, you're afraid of creepy dolls. Um, you were you were gonna want to mentally prepare yourself for this film before you watch it. The um interesting thing that I noticed because it's not so much of a um, I don't know if I noticed it the first. Probably two times. So I've already watched Paprika three times, to my knowledge. Um, the the saluting. Did you notice that as well? The saluting. How all the dolls are saluting. Right. Um, again, World War Two. Um, the yeah, it's it's interesting because. They, that's the thing about dolls, and I think that's why people find them terrifying, is because they look so sweet and innocent, but they're, like, immortal and have glassy eyes, and people don't like it. Mm, yeah, it's very Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Yeah, so this, it, it really goes, like, to 11, where they're all marching in a parade, and there's the um, marching band of frogs... Mm. And like it's just so over the top, and the one of the 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 image they use quite regularly when it's the front of the parade is a whole bunch of like, uh, whiteware, all like sort of 
duct taped yeah. together so with like. Before we ever see this parade, we hear the professor ranting about it because yeah. the dream's gotten into his because he's used the machine so often that they were able to get into his subconscious. So he's like talking about something normally, and then he starts talking about the parade of frogs and the refrigerators at the front and whatever. You're just and, like. And because we were watching in Japanese with English subtitles, you had this moment where yeah. you were like. Is the subtitles broken? And in my mind going, I sort of remember this part. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I literally was like, I turned to you and I was like, is he talking gibberish or have, or are the subtitles on this just like the, the translator gave up? Like, what's happened? Because um, it was just like, you know, almost sentences, but like random words in the middle that you'd be like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. There. Um, but that's how, but then they showed the visual of this, and I was like, "Oh, that's exactly what that man described." Yeah, I couldn't comprehend it because Before why trying, would you? Yeah, think of that. Before j- jumping out of a window. Yes, he did jump out of a window. Yeah. again. The, I uh, think the suicide coming into it. I think everybody who attempts suicide in Paprika survives it. I think so. Yeah, because it's, she. But they're not trying to commit suicide. It's They're someone just else's following the parade. Yeah, so so the guy who is in you know in their mind is forcing them to so that he like you see um Dr. Chiba do it that she's like climbing over the fence in a uh, yeah. theme park and then she's pulled back into reality because someone grabs her because she's, she's about jumping to... over a balcony. Yeah. yeah. Um it's very scary, but that's you know that is how you would if you were going to manipulate again it's gaslighting central, you know. If you're going to manipulate someone's reality um, so that they can't help bridge the difference between a dream and real life, that you know, and you're using it maliciously, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch Bandersnatch? No. Oh, okay. That's the um, Black Mirror? The interactive Black Mirror thing, thing yeah, that no, they did. I never on, watched it. Yeah, they did on Netflix. It's really good. Um, for anybody who hasn't got it and has Netflix legitimately, um, I would recommend it because you need legitimate Netflix because it's a pick a path thing. Right. So you use a con- remote as a controller. Like the Cat Burglar, which some of my college friends worked on, including yep. one of our listeners, I believe, if she still listens. So check if out not, the, you should feel bad for not listening to <laughs> Check out shout The out. Cat Burglar on yeah. Netflix. It's interactive. Anyway, what were you saying about Bandersnatch? Was it, is it relevant to... Or is like yeah, yeah, mind... It, yeah, there's, there's lots of mind-bendiness into it when yeah. you don't know what's... You know, the difference between reality and not reality mm. and, um, you know, you as a viewer having to remember stuff from earlier in the movie and being like... Uh, messing it up and then obviously consequences happen it's, it's it's an interesting um interesting way of making interactive television other than you know bullshit man versus wild with bear grills where it's like should i go down river or up river you pick i went up river we died happened? yeah you, did, did you not know there's an interactive bear grills show <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know how many episodes they did because obviously they'd have to film quite a lot of extra stuff like yeah, B-roll. Yeah, yeah, You know, because it's just like, a, you know, it's a choose-your-own-adventure book but Bear Grylls filming it. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, I'm pretty know, sure it's still on Netflix. So maybe we should it. play Bear Grylls. <laughs> See how many times we can get Bear Grylls killed. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think, I feel like that, I mean, I know there's a lot of homages to Paprika in Inception, but I think that the way that both of them play with the perception of reality and how dreams bleed into that, I think that is where they really are similar. Oh, I thought you were saying really are different. 
No, I mean, but I mean, I think that is where they, you know, that's something that they both really focus on. Yeah, because the, the the chair is squeaking, and I don't know how much the mic is picking up, so I apologize. The um, what I meant was the the so different is because the dreams they have at inception are so real that you need a totem to know that you're not in a dream. Right. Versus, there's no mistake. You're not in a dream. It's just the dream is so powerful and overwhelming, you get carried away with it. Yeah, and yeah. Paprika. it. So the people who don't know what's happening are getting just, like, sucked into these dreams. Yeah. And then there's, like, you know, a co- the, um, Tokita, is that his name? The 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 guy who came up with the DC yeah, yeah, Mini yeah. tries to go in and stop it, and he ends up being sucked into it. Um, Paprika's very good at not being sucked into it, and, um, the, uh, detective, for some reason, is very good at not being sucked into it. Yeah, it's interesting because he, he talks about in the beginning of the movie not wanting, like, not liking films because Paprika's trying to take him on these weird, like, film dates to wa- make him watch movies together to help him with his uh, underlying trauma. Trauma. And um, he's like, I don't like movies. I don't like movies. And then it turns out he was, like, a budding film maker, but then his best friend died of cancer. Yeah. And there he gave up on the project and now he's like and the the with Cobb going back to seeing his family, because that's the thing, like, you see all these other characters in Inception and none of them get like payoffs at the end of it. Yeah. They were just like secretly say hello to each other or say goodbye to each other or, you know, well done because they can't obviously in the because they're next to the guy they just fucked with. Um <laughs> You know, they can't celebrate and they just sort of sort of like give each other nods in the end of the, um, mm. when they're in the airport. But Cobb's the only one that gets an ending, yeah. really. Like a closed ending. Um, where in Paprika, you sort of see the consequences um, of the chairman's actions and everyone who tried to stop him. And then uh, the detective finally getting his... Closure? Closure, yeah. Um, because, yeah, what, you know, having having a friend that you're working on a project, you know, a labour of love with, then, then die, but then handing it over to him because it's like, no, nah, no, nah, and then him turning around, you know, even in your dream and being like, well, you, you don't need to make movies, you literally now live, you know, you're, you're, you are the cop story now that we were making. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm done with that. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> You're just staring at me like, continue. Continue, continue. you've more to say. Um, yeah, the cop is an interesting character because, like, he wouldn't be involved in any of this except that, like, the instigation of it ha- starts right after she's seeing him as a patient. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of ends up being very much sucked into it and, you know, being a huge part of how they actually resolve the issues. Yeah, it's, um, the characters are quite well-rounded for the very little screen time they actually get. Mm. Um, Maybe because we get to see into their dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly, you know. Uh, I, I think, you know, with, with like I said, you know, the, the characters not sort of getting their ending, you know, you sort of have to base the their sort of... Uh, especially with Inception, you have to base it sort of on basically what you're told, which is like, oh, we have to put a team together. Who are we going to get? Oh, we're going to get Tom Hardy. We're going to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We're going to get Elliot Page. We're going to get, you know, Michael Caine to be like, I'm sorry, Mr. Wayne. Um, <laughs> we're going to, you know, and they, you know, uh, um, I think the, the person who deserves the biggest shout-out 
of playing the smallest part would have to be I can't remember the actor's name or the the character's name. It's the the chemist. Oh, Yusuf. Is yeah, the Yus- Yusuf the chemist who like lead. everybody else goes to sleep and he has to like run away, getting yeah, shot yeah, at the yeah. entire he, time. He, and, like, so they're in his. The first level is his dream. Yeah. Right, and then the second level is Arthur's dream, and then Eames. It's confused. The third level is confusing me because I thought because the, they kind of play it that they're going into um, Fisher's subconscious, but Eames is the one that they put the headphones on to give them the training yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it's either Fisher or Eames, either 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 author. No, because they lie and tell Fisher that they're going into Robert's dream. Who's Rob? No, Robert is Fisher. But he's Robert Fisher. No, sorry, not Robert. Um, the, his uncle. His uncle. I can't remember his name, but yeah. yeah. They they lie to him <laughs> saying they're going into his dream, but in reality they go into. Um, Do you think they go into Fisher's dream? Is that the because that's what they say yeah, to yeah, Ariadne? Is we're going to go into that's the third level. Yeah, yeah. So the third level is Fisher's dream, but Eames is the one that they put the headphones on. Yeah. Because obviously Fisher's not going to know what that means. Yeah, he's the, he's the trigger man. Yeah. Um, and then the next level down is Limbo. Yeah. But yeah, so Yusuf is is they're in his dream at the beginning, and I love the that they get there and it's pissing rain, and it's because he needs to go to the bathroom, bathroom before they. It's yeah. so funny, um. But yeah, yeah, I I know what you mean. Like he gets to have a whole like it, for the entire movie, he's having a car chase. Scene. Yeah, he's having a car chase sequence, getting shot at like in the rain. Everybody else in the back just going ragdoll with their arms floating up in the yeah. air, with, like looking all perfectly peaceful, and he's like screaming and like ah. And then there's like, the f- flip sequence, which, like, if you've seen Tenant, which was Nolan's last um, adventure movie, which is fantastic, I highly yeah, recommend I really it. Yeah, I like Tenant. Um. There's a lot of stuff that happens in Tenet that is obviously using his work he did with Inception. Inception. Yeah. But yeah. that yeah that sequence where he's just like, he look at the my favorite part of that is when he turns around to gloat of how good of a job he did. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're all asleep. asleep, and he's just like, oh, that's right, and it's continues driving. He's like, hey, look at that, and he's like, oh, okay, he's all right then. Because that's such a that's such a um, gamer moment as well, like yeah. a hell of a gamer moment where you like hit a rocket like you know going max speed and like GTA or <laughs> some other you know car uh, game with you know car physics in it and do like a you know a thousand flips and then land on your wheels and you're like ah oh, I wasn't streaming and there's no one to watch like, <laughs> that moment is gone forever like tears in the rain. Um, what else? What else did you? Because you hadn't seen Paprika, correct? Yeah, no, I hadn't seen Paprika. What um, did you take away, other than the, how similar <laughs> it was to? Um... I don't know. It's just such a weird movie. Um, I did. I took down a quote. I was trying to find it. One of the like, there's a few quotes in Paprika about you know they say that you know, they they never should create as DC mini and things like that. Like this is a terrible idea. But one of the things that they say, which I literally took down the quote because I knew we were going to be watching Inception next, is uh, implanting dreams into other people's heads is terrorism. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the whole plot of Inception, I think. <laughs> it is terrorism. They're, they're yeah. terrorists. You know, they're, they're wanted criminals that all, they're only all able to fly on this plane because the guy bought the airline oh, or whatever. I think it was film theory who did it and they looked it up and it's so ridiculous. Like, the amount of money he spent to buy an airline. Yeah. 
is ridiculous. It's like absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is his last dish effort to save his business. Yeah, true. Um, and he's a, obviously quite a wealthy man. And he wants to remain quite a wealthy man. So um, this is his way of not losing his business to the the competitor. Because he's... His company is the last competitor to Fisher's father's yeah. business. Um, yeah, so I just thought that that was funny. That, you know, Paprika literally called out that the characters in Inception are criminals. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Paprika is really interesting. I definitely, I really love the visuals in it. Yeah, the visuals are stunning. It's Yeah, it, it's such an interesting style and it's so visually stunning and it's that like I said they're really trying to play up this angle of um dreams and reality merging and you know where the where the lines are and you know um it makes for just very very interesting I was gonna say cinematography I guess you can't you know it's animated but I'd still say cinematography maybe yeah um I'm just really really interesting design and I'm sure the animators had a lot of fun with it yeah. Um, very there's some parts that are very unnerving and there's some pieces in it where your mind goes, Oh god, oh god, oh god. Um especially when the the guy becomes a tree and yeah. um the whole torture sequence, um Rika being captured and pinned to a board with giant pins like she's a butterfly is yeah. like really disturbing. Yeah, it was really, and there's, there is, I mean, let's not go into it too much, but there is a weird molestation yeah. sequence, um, which is very upsetting. Um, they do have a bit where, you know, Paprika's going into the shared dream, and, well, sorry, Dr. Shiba's going into the shared dream to become Paprika and um, try and sort things out or figure out what's going on, and she gets the professor to watch, because they're able to watch the dreams when they're not in the dreams, so they're able to yeah. record them on a screen. So she gets him to watch and is like, if, you know, something starts to happen, pull me out. And then soon as something starts to happen, he pulls her out and then they go to the chairman and then the chairman is a tree again. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> they're still in the dream. Um, I do like that they, they mess around like that. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But it's... um. I think the yeah. endings do, like, the sub-reality of Paprika versus, like, the, there's nothing unreal other than you know the the changing of physics where they're folding a city and you know the the dream sequences and the hallway fight which is very famous um even for people who haven't seen the movie mm. people know the hallway fight everyone knows the what that was massive because of inception yeah um sorry i missed my point here um going back to paprika the the sub-reality stuff, it's far more terrifying. Yeah. And it wouldn't trans... Like, we've both what read the Southern Reach trilogy. Mm. And for people who don't know, um, the movie that was made from the first book, Annihilation, is very good if you treat it as a standalone movie. Yeah. But trying to copy... What's the, written in the book. What's in the book <laughs> is literally impossible. Because even, like, I, I well, I listen to the audiobook because who got time to read these days? Um, I read it as a physical book, but... Well, lady damn, Mrs. I can spend time reading and don't have to listen to audiobooks while working. Um, yeah, the... So this was several years ago that I read it. <laughs> and I, I got, was unemployed. 
and I got through 15 audiobooks during the first lockdown, your point being. Um, which I wouldn't have been able to do if I was reading real books. Um, I completely lost my train You were saying that with Annihilation, the, the way it's written in the book, it's like hard to even wrap your mind around it. Yeah. Never mind put it into actual Yeah, there's no way you'd be able to translate it from into screen. And yeah. people have complained about how unsensical, like... Uh, the sequence in the lighthouses mm. and then you read the book version of it and you're like There's they no- did a really good <laughs> yeah. sort of yeah, interpretation they did, of what's they did written on the page different but uh, yeah there was no way they could do what was written in the book <laughs> it's just not possible and it's like going back to another episode we've already done uh, Send Dunes mm. the differences between how the universe looks in the book how the universe looks in the 80s... Was it the 80s movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how it looks in the 2000s uh, miniseries that was put on TV, which I watched some of and re- remembered, oh God, oh God, the costumes cost more than the actors do. Um, and then watching uh, the latest Dune movie. The latest Dune movie got close because mm. it's closer to the book than it is to... The adaptations. Yeah. But there's no friggin' way you can put what's in those books on screen without mm. it looking comical. Yep. And I think that was the issue. Um, I'm going on a random tangent here. That's the issue with uh, some of the original um, superhero movies. Mm-hmm. It's because they translated directly from page to screen. Mm. And that's where you end up with the Tim Burton era where everything's very uh, newer, neon, sort of this um, uh, post-industrial but mm. like futuristic. It's that weird combination that, that really is Batman on paper. Yeah. Um, and then when, it, when you put it on screen, it looks very cheesy and over-the-top and silly. Yeah. And I think they, Paprika, you could not put, I have a point, Paprika, <laughs> you could not put any of what happens in the dream sequences on, live in live action at all yeah. without it looking really stupid. Yeah, so, uh, you know, instead you have um, people really, I mean, you get little glimpses of what can be done in dreams in Inception, yeah. but for the most part, they keep everything very... Normal, yeah, because they're trying to hide the fact that they're sneaking in, yeah. So, but you get like Ariadne when she's learning how to do the dream, she's making you know, like you said, bending the street up to be a wall and changing gravity and all this stuff. Uh, you also get a throwaway line where um, Arthur is like shooting at guys who are shooting at them, and Eames says to him, You gotta dream bigger and like takes out a massive gun. It's like, Yeah, you literally you're dreaming this, just take out a bazooka or something, you know, yeah. like you don't need to. Um, it's a 40 millimeter grenade launcher yeah, anyway. yeah. no no I know that's, I'm yeah, not saying yeah, yeah. He, um, but I'm saying that you could just take yeah, a bazooka yeah. um, you know and they very much put limitations on what they're dreaming whereas you know Paprika it's like no dreams are bizarre. dreams are dreams dreams bizarre, are yeah. weird yeah. this is what a weird dream no one's gonna because I love that in Inception it's like if everything's not like totally normal they're gonna know that it's a dream but it's like I mean if you're in a dream Weird shit happens all the time. You have weird dreams. I have weird dreams. It's like, and then you wake up and you're like, oh yeah, that was weird. When you're in it, 
it's totally normal, normal for yeah. like dancing frogs to be going down the street, you know. Um, but I do think on the on the comic book thing, I think again, animation is the way to go because Into the Spider Verse does it fantastically. Oh yeah, it does so well. It's amazing. I and like for people who haven't seen it, like um, Doctor Strange, um, Multiverse of Madness has some beautiful visuals, just like the other um, mm. Doctor Strange movie has. But in comparison to, yeah, Into the Spider-Verse, it's like, meh. Yeah, Spider-Verse is just fantastic. I can't wait for the new Spider-Verse. It's, a, like, ahead of its time. Yeah. It's so bizarre to watch, like, so much money be pumped into the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the now grossly expanding to the point where we can't even keep up with it because, you know, we've got other real-world real, real world stuff to do. Um, the... TV shows are just mm. expanding outwards like a web. Um, yeah, I mean, I still haven't caught up with all the MCU films. There was a point in time where I had seen every single MCU film and I saw new ones when they came out. Yeah. I, there's a bunch of them I haven't seen this one. Yeah. I haven't seen Black Widow, I haven't seen Shang-Chi, I haven't seen The Eternals, you know, like, never mind the series. Yeah, we haven't watched Moon Knight, we haven't watched... Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, there's MCU is massively expanding. But, uh, yeah, no, interesting. If, if you're only going to watch, and I, I say this very confidently because I have made, I have, you know, had this interaction with someone and got them to sit down. If you only ever watch one superhero film, like this other person, I don't, this is the only superhero film they saw, I said, you've got to sit down and watch this one. <laughs> and it's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Which is interesting because, like, her generation is, like, the entire thing has been aimed at them. Hmm. Yeah. It's just very bizarre that you get the... It's like... Well, not everyone's interested in it. Yeah, true, true. But Spider-Verse is fantastic. Yeah. If you're only going to watch one, Spider-Verse. 100% recommend it. Um, but yes, anyway. Uh, I, you know, I think they could have pushed the boat out in Inception and had weird shit happen in the dreams, but they didn't. That's their choice. Um, but I love just the extent to of which, you know, how bizarre the dream is in... in Paprika, and I guess it's because they're melding all these people's dreams together that it becomes this weird parade that's like going through stuff, and then you'll get like these like kind of normal dreams that like you know they're in the cinema together. Yeah. And Paprika and uh, Konakawa are sitting in the cinema at the end of his dream, and suddenly the parade comes through the cinema and through the screen and out. Or you know he's watching the the part of the dream where she's being tortured and he bursts through the cinema screen into the room. Um, you know it's it's interesting the you know the the playing up of how physics works because dream physics isn't the same as real world physics. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautifully done. Yeah. Um, without ranting on about other things, um, the ending of Paprika reminds me quite a lot of um Akira. Mm. Did, did I make you watch that? Yeah, you maybe watched the English dub of it, and I'm still sad about it. Because we should have watched it in Japanese. True. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the ending, obviously, like, the DC mini and the chairman become so many, so powerful that his, his dream, his dream, which is a dream that everyone's following in this parade ends up bursting through into reality, and then you see the devastation it leaves on the city, even though all these, like, giant crazy things disappear. It's still like, oh, that's, the damage is still there. Mm. And I think that's, yeah, quite a 
horrifying realization that you know even though they won they still you know it's like it, the end of every other superhero movie when uh, we did it Patrick we saved the city you know um, yeah it's I mean it's what is it Age of Ultron where they save every they, you know they're like yay we saved everyone but they've literally just decimated the city they've decimated the country yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they've just killed like countless amounts of people um yeah, leaving that kind of real-world consequence that at the end it's, you know, it, it, not everything is okay and fantastic, unlike in Inception where they're just like, oh, sweet, we're off the plane now, everything's hunky-dory, I put my passport through and suddenly I'm not a criminal anymore instantly from one phone call. Yeah. I'm no longer a wanted criminal. Cool, I'm at home, here are my kids. Everything's, you know, everyone gets a happy ending. I, you, don't, you don't like happy endings, and yet Inception gives you happy endings. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's a happy ending movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, they also destroy a, a guy's relationship with his father and probably an entire company, which will probably cause, you know, the oh, yeah. the unemployment of possibly millions of people yeah. if they're genuinely... Well, they don't destroy... His father is dead, and they, they make him retroactively think he had a good relationship that he didn't have with yeah. his father. They destroy his relationship with his uncle. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, the company. And the business. And the company, yeah. But his life might be better because he didn't want to run the company anyway and now he gets to go do his own thing. True. Um, and it's not destroying the company. They want to split it up. True. Is that the idea? So, you know. But it could cause the next Wall Street crash, who knows? Yeah. Um, you want to move on to trivia and... Yeah, so I think budget is pretty much... We won't even go into that. <laughs> Um, you sure you don't want to go into budget box office? Yeah, I've already looked up at how much Paprika cost and made, and I don't think anything similar to Nolan's juggernauts of yeah, money I mean, printing. If the numbers I've got are correct, Paprika was a flop, which is sad. Yeah. Um, it cost three hundred million yen to make, which is about two point six million US dollars. And made nine hundred. Nine hundred forty six thousand, not million, mm. is what I is what came up when I looked. Did you have something different? Maybe not. Um, whereas Inception, the budget was 160 million and it made 836 million. <laughs> yeah. Printing money. Just, yeah, just printing money. Um, there's like very little trivia for for um, Paprika. So I didn't take like the stuff that was on IMDb was nothing. So I tried to like Google other stuff and all I basically got was that it was based on a novel. But what interested me was that the novel was released in 1993. So someone in 1993 wrote Paprika. The novel, um, though the film wasn't made till 2006. Uh, Yasutaka Tsutsui. I hope that I haven't butchered that name. I just tried, but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. In terms of Inception trivia, I feel like everyone knows about Inception. Everyone knows all the, all the trivia. I'd like, there's things like, um, there's 399 questions asked in the movie. Um, which I thought was <laughs> someone counted. Um, and the, the narrative jumps between the dream layers, um, a total of 223 times, which is a lot of times. I also like that they, they put, um, Ariadne's hair in a tight bun in the, um, in Arthur's dream, um, specifically because they didn't want to try and figure out what would happen to her hair in, uh, zero gravity. Because, <laughs> you know, because he used to, like, move, move them all yeah, around yeah, and tie yeah. them together. So if she had that long hair flowing, they would have to try and animate that. Yeah. So they were like, just put it in a bun for this sequence. Uh, I just think that's hilarious. Uh, you know. The, the, I looked it up. For it. 
I looked it up. Paprikas, that m- amount they made is only overseas money. Oh, is it? How much do they make in... It doesn't say. No, okay. Is that So we don't know how much it made domestically. Because I... What I had gotten uh, was on the numbers, I think it said 881 million... Inter- or 881,000 internationally. Whereas then I thought it was... Overall, box office was 946,000. No, this is overseas where I looked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um... Anyway, movies like that don't make money in the box office. They make money in DVD sales. Yes, very, so very true. We don't know. Yep, could be anything. Um, I did like... Oh, yeah, I liked this because um, this was a fact about Inception, but uh, I thought it played a bit of a role in Paprika as well. So um, Christopher Nolan said he based the roles in the Inception team on roles in filmmaking. Makes sense. So Cobb is the director, Arthur yep. is the producer, Ariadne is the production designer, Eames is the actor, uh, Saito is the studio, and Fisher is the audience. Yep. Um, you know, he said he was trying to write a team-based creative process. He said, I wrote the one I know, which makes sense. Um, I thought it was interesting because obviously in Paprika, um, very much Konakawa's dreams are very cinematic, that he's dreaming, you know, He's a detective in this circus, and then suddenly he's in a, like, a, you know, and when, when Paprika makes him watch them back again, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the action sequence, this is the, you know, the yeah. romantic sequence, the whatever, you know, um, and very much she's showing him his life as a film, and then it turns out that his trauma is based on the relationship he had with someone he made a film with. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting that the characters in Inception are based on film production roles. Um, and then the only other one was that um, the characters that come together for Inception are from five different continents across the globe. Because they get uh, Cobb, Arthur, and Maul are from the US. Cobb gets Ariadne from Paris. Um, Eames and Yusuf are in Mombasa in Africa. Saito is from Japan. And Fisher is from Australia. Yeah. So they're like... They're... Our powers combined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one from South America and no one from Antarctica. Just like our podcast listeners, no one from Antarctica. Yeah. Please listen to our podcast. Get all their penguins. Get <laughs> penguin numbers. We need some penguins to listen to us. Um, but yeah, those are all the trivia that I took down. I think, you know, there was a bunch of different stuff on like the it was funny because the paprika trivia on IMDb is like nothing and the yeah. inception is like pages Massive. and pages yeah. and pages. <laughs> but I figure everyone knows most things about Inception anyway. I think if anyone's listening to this and they haven't watched Inception, it's surprising. Um, yeah, it's it was... 12 years ago. Come on. Yeah. No, but Top I mean, shot. you know, it was just so big at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I feel like most people who are into movies in general have seen it. Multiple times. Yeah. Anything else you want to No, I think, I think that's a nice wrap right yeah. there. Alright, uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at it takes two underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram, or it takes two pod on Facebook, and our website is it takes two.co.nz. Stay safe out there, folks, and we hope to catch you next time. Goodbye. What's up, listeners? Force 5 is a show about movie-related top five lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. 
I have a new guest on each week and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods or head to force5podcast.com.